it is good to get together. I know it's, you know, Josh is not joking. It's, it's tough to say good morning and hear the sounds of eight people saying good morning. I know you're out there. I know you're in your living rooms. Even now you're in your living room saying good morning, Pastor, and, and that's wonderful too. Happy Father's Day. So many things to celebrate today. It's wonderful. Um, and to talk about our Heavenly Father. Uh, today we're continuing uh, our second in our series on sanctification. We're asking, what does it mean to grow as a believer? Um, and I don't think I introduced myself, so I'll just say quickly that I'm Thomas Hoke, and I'm one of the pastors here. And it's, uh, it's wonderful to begin and continue this series. Well, in the last 10 years, there's been this explosion in uh, the use of wearable technology. Um, I'm talking about smartphones, smart watches, smart rings. Have you guys seen this? There's a smart ring. Uh, a little bit of everything. Um, all, the, all this technology that we put on to our bodies. And what we do with it is uh, it, it tells us everything that we could possibly need to know about what we're doing in our lives. It tells us, you know, how many steps we're taking, how many likes we're getting, uh, how, you know, how to reach our personal goals. And it's big business. People have got these. Many of you. I have one, okay? Uh, why is it such a big business? Why are we sort of obsessed with knowing all these things, setting these little goals and hoping that we might uh, attain them? The truth is that there is within each of us this innate desire, this innate uh, longing to become someone better. Uh, that today, by putting in the right little steps, maybe 10,000 of those little steps, uh, or, or getting just the right amount of sleep, or standing up twice an hour, thank you for reminding me, um, we can become the person that we ought to be. And maybe you're expecting me as a pastor to stand up here and say, what a bunch of nonsense. Uh, but that's not true. In fact, we are made for something more. We are made to become someone new, someone different. Uh, and the Bible has something to tell us about that. Uh, in 1 Peter 1, we actually get to see how this works. Uh, how do we go from where we are today to where God has designed us to be uh, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, maybe even just tomorrow? Uh, and what should we be aspiring to? Uh, 10,000 steps is a good goal, but what should we aspire to spiritually? Uh, in this passage, in 1 Peter 1, this passage that uh, Rachel just read for us so well, uh, we're going to learn three fundamental facts about sanctification three fundamental facts. Specifically, we're going to learn about the provider of sanctification, the process of sanctification, and the purpose. I'll start with P. Isn't that convenient? So wonderful when that happens. Uh, the three P, provider, process, and purpose. And I'm going to pray so quickly right now. Uh, Father, thank you for the light of the sun. Thank you for most importantly for the light of your son, Jesus. We pray that you would make his warmth, your warmth toward us, as real to us today as this wonderful sunshine is on our bodies, uh, that we would sense, detect, and respond to your love for us in Christ with a renewed purpose for obedience, for love, uh, to stoke the flames of our affection for you uh, and respond rightly. We pray that you would do all this and do it speedily uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the three Ps. First, we learn about the provider of sanctification. We see this in verse 2. Uh, if you've got your Bible, you can look down there with me. Peter uh, describes his audience as this elect exiles. They're living in a strange place. But he calls them that according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, there's our word, sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, for sprinkling with his blood. Uh, it, now, if you're just joining us, maybe, you know, this is our second week of the series, maybe you lit, missed last week or don't remember, uh, 
sanctification might be a word that sounds sort of strange, maybe a little bit unfamiliar with it, um, but probably you've heard words like sanctuary, uh, sanction, um, sanctity, words like that. Uh, what we're talking about is holiness, sacredness, uh, growing in holiness. Now, if, if you've heard me or really any other pastor at Parkview preach before, I hope your first question is, Pastor, haven't you told us that when we trust Jesus, we actually become holy before God? That we become righteous, we become enough uh, for God? And first I want to just say, thank you so much for listening. Yes, when we trust Christ, uh, we truly, before God, become holy like Jesus. When God looks at us, he doesn't see the messes that we've made and the sins that we've done and, and think back on those things. He actually sees the perfection of Christ. We are, we are once and for all holy. And yet, at that same moment, when that happens, God also moves into our house, so to speak, and begins an, a huge renovation project. Uh, maybe some of you are doing this in your house. Judging by the sizes of the crowds at Home Depot and Lowe's and all that, you are doing some of this right now. He moves in and he starts a big renovation. He starts taking down some walls. He says, there are some things in this room that don't belong in this room. I'm going to take them out. There are some things that ought to be in this room, and, and I'm going to put them there. Uh, he starts from the inside out, making us as holy as we actually already are in Jesus. We call it sanctification. You might call it holification. Uh, becoming what we already are in Jesus. And what we see in this first part about the provider of sanctification is that this, this process is a work of God. We see that we're sanctified uh, uh, not because we've wised up and learned that it's something we, should really ought to, we really ought to be doing it, but rather it's because the Father has called us into this process. We find out that uh, it's not something that we continue and, and work hard and, and just sort of accomplish on our own, but rather that the Spirit is the one who continues this work and empowers this work within us. We see that we're, we're being molded not just into sort of a general vague betterness, but into the image of Jesus. That is to say, sanctification, it turns out, is a community project. Uh, it's a project of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, working together toward the ultimate goal that everyone, everywhere, and I'll say especially everyone at Parkview, would become more like Jesus. The most significant thing happening in the universe today is happening in your car, in your seat, uh, out here, in your homes, in your hearts this week as we collectively make a thousand little decisions that will either form us more into the image of Jesus or will deform us. The center of gravity of the universe is before us. This is what God is working on today. And our sanctification, like we said, it is a work of God. That's the first thing we learn. The provider, no one will be surprised to know that the provider of sanctification is God. And this should be, I think, deeply, deeply encouraging. The God of the universe in the Father, Son, and Spirit are exerting all of their collective divine energy to set us rushing headlong toward this singular goal. That as a church, as individuals, and as a community, that we would continually grow to be more like Jesus in thought, word, and deed. You are not in this alone. The same one who called the universe into existence is now calling you into something wonderful. It is his project. 
so that at the end, none of us will be able to say, I did it. Now, it's, it's important, uh, too, because I think a lot of us might have a certain image of sanctification. We think of, and maybe kids out there, maybe you've sort of experienced this lately, maybe not because we haven't had school, but uh, you think of sanctification like um, kind of like getting dropped off at school. Right? Uh, you, you hop in your car or you say bye at the bus stop or whatever, however it works. You, your parent drives you up. Um, you get to the school. There's your friends. And they say, okay, bye. Have a great time. You Do your best. You're going to love it. Right? Um, and then they sort of wave you out. They go out the door. And then you're, now it's your job right, to learn. Uh, actually, if, if this is true, and it is, um, sanctification is not like that at all. It's not like we get saved and then God sort of kicks us out the door to figure it out on our own. Rather, it's much more like God bringing us into uh, his very heart to make us more like himself. And Parkview, if, if you want to know what will give this church buoyancy, what will give your life, your family, your friends, your community group, buoyancy through the choppy waters that we are experiencing right now, you must know, and this passage is telling us today, that the greatest gift that you can give to anyone around you, and especially to the Lord, is your holiness, your devotedness to your all-out, full-hearted, unstoppable commitment to him. That is what we need most. That is what our church needs most. That's what our city needs most, is for us to make a thousand little decisions, some of them big, but many of them small, that will continually transform us into the image of Jesus. So God is the provider of sanctification. The second thing that we learn is about the process of sanctification. We learn this in verses 6 and 7. In verse 6, we see this. In this, and he's talking about your salvation, he says that in verse 5, in this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire. I'm going to stop mid-sentence. But uh, what we see here is something about the process of sanctification. It, it can be easy to sort of get bogged down. It's a big word, I know. Sanctification. What is that? It sounds Latin. It sounds, it sounds foreign. Um, but what we're talking about here gets down into the very mechanics of sanctification. Thomas, how does it work? Come on, preacher. Be practical, right? Uh, and Peter, he's a good pastor, and he says, here's, here's let me get into it. Um, the process of sanctification, I'll just tell you now, is defined by testing. The process is defined by testing. We see here in verse 6. And Peter uses this very interesting image to give us a view into the very mechanics of sanctification. And it's the image of a furnace, <laughs> which I'm just now realizing is just so appropriate for today. <laughs> okay, it's the image of a furnace. He says... Um, he says, your faith, uh, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness, the tested authenticity, the tested trueness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire. It's, it's the image of a furnace. Um, and, and so what he's talking about, I, I remember I took a shop class my freshman year of high school, and I remember we actually had a, a little foundry at West High, and uh, so you would put all this metal in there, you'd turn on the furnace, and it would melt it, right? Simple. And then you'd get a little sand cast, pour it in there, and then I think we, we made, you know, it was like a little, a little uh, paperweight or something that we made. But the, a really crucial part of this process was that you would heat up this metal incredibly hot, you know, thousands of degrees to get metal to melt. 
And it was my job um, that uh, during this process, I, I had a little metal spoon. Well, it was kind of big, actually, because I don't want to get too close. Uh, but it looked kind of like, have you ever made spaghetti? Okay, it was basically that spoon. Um, and what would happen is the metal would melt, and as it melted, there were impurities in the metal. There was dirt in the metal. There was, there was you know, s other metals in there that, were, that didn't mix up. And so up at the top of the metal, this molten, boiling hot metal, not boiling, but very hot metal, would, would appear these impurities, this slag, they called it. And it was my job to take very carefully, very carefully, and scoop it off, and I would throw it in a, basically a bucket of water. And that was so important process, such an important process, because if you don't remove those impurities, then the final product is going to be tarnished, unreliable, and unsafe. It won't be, that is to say, it won't be what it was intended to be when it was created. Can you see what Peter is trying to say about our faith by using this image? What are the, these, these moments that he's talking about, these moments of trial, these moments of testing, are, are, are putting us into a furnace of, of, of testing. These might be external pressures, they might be internal painful moments, but what they do is they put our faith in the furnace. And, and when they do, they become moments that will never leave us the same. And, and they will always turn us into something. It is God who provides it. It is God who provides those moments where we feel heated up, we feel maybe melted, and we feel those things that are coming out of us whether we want to or not. The only question is, in those moments, whether we will lean into it and let it purify our faith and let it take out the things that need to be taken out and put in the things that need to be put in, or whether we will we'll tap out. We'll say, I can't take it. I, I, I won't. I love this precious phrase too, by the way. In verse six, he says about these moments of furnace, about these moments of t testing. He says, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been tested by various trials. What, what a precious phrase that, that God the Father, just for a little while, only if necessary, only, I remember seeing actually lately, um, it was a video of a, 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 jewel, a jeweler, I guess they'd be called, making a golden engagement ring. And, um, you know, they did the same sort of process on a much smaller scale that I did in high school. Um, they, they got it all, you know, the gold melted. But I remember what struck me most was seeing uh, as they gathered all the little filings of gold that they were going to turn into this beautiful uh, ring, how careful and gentle they were in every single little tiny speck of gold, you know, worth so much, right, to the jeweler, precious investment for them, just carefully, carefully with this special brush, sort of brushing it in, and then and so delicately casting that ring because it was so valuable. Parkview, that, it, those moments of testing are not God sort of wantonly, just carelessly throwing around suffering in our lives. They are the work of just like that jeweler who was so careful only for a little while, if necessary, he brings those moments into our lives because he knows what we need, because he's making something beautiful. And this, Peter says, this is how sanctification works. These are the inner workings, the testing of temptation and trials, if endured faithfully, if endured, will purge us of impurity in our devotion to the Lord. The fire of our trials have the potential to torch the parts of us that don't belong and refine us into something beautiful. Um, and by the way, uh, 
you don't need to go looking for these trials. You don't need to go looking for these temptations. Go looking for these moments. Don't. Don't seek them. They will come to you. A, a life of simple obedience to Jesus. I mean, just, just read the Sermon on the Mount. Read Matthew 5 through 7 and say, I will do this. Uh, and you will find those moments coming about. You will find uh, these things coming out. Um, what do they look like? What might one of those moments look like? Well, imagine it's a Friday night, a week from now. And you're walking in the door. It's been a long day at work been a long week and let's be honest it's been a long two months <laughs> and uh what you see as you open the doors toys everywhere house is a mess sink full of dishes and as you survey the scene and your temper is rising uh one of your children sprints through with muddy feet and adds just another job onto the list of things that you need to do instead of kicking your feet up welcome to the furnace of sanctification there, there would be many good reasons for you to lose your temper and fly off the handle and uh, because what's happened, your, your dreams of a peaceful evening have, have, feel dashed. Your, your expectation of freedom and rest seems to be evaporating like the water that may have been on the parking lot earlier. Your criticism of your spouse maybe is rising. You shouldn't have to do these things. You shouldn't have to take it. You've been working all day. You begin to defend yourself. All these things begin to bubble up like that slag on the top of that, that surface of metal. And what will we do? The Holy Spirit is prompting you to a peaceful response. This furnace will either melt you, purify your selfish desires, uh, and result in a new version of you, or it will deform you. It will harden you. And in that moment, we have the choice. And it's, like I said, it's a thousand little decisions. It's a thousand little moments like that every day that make us who we are in the next five years, in the next 10 years. And if I can be real, we'll decide what our, we will be as a church, how we're able to bless our city and our families and our community groups over the next 10 years are those little decisions, sometimes big decisions, but when we enter that furnace. Maybe a different scenario. Uh, let's say... On Sunday, you heard just an amazing sermon. Probably not here, but probably not me. But, um, you know, you've heard a rousing sermon. And you're like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going for the Lord. I'm going to try hard. I'm going to wake up early, get my coffee going. I'm going to sit down at my table. I'm going to whip out my Bible. And I'm just going to go for Jesus today. And instantly, as you do that, every single task that needs to be done that day just burrows itself into your head and you go, I have this, I need to text this person. I have four tasks. Oh, I should have read that before I met with that person. And oh, before work, I need to do these three things. And my kids, I got to remind them about this and this. Everything rushes into your head at once. And it might feel mundane, this example, but I'm telling you, and I think Peter would tell you, this is welcome to the furnace. Welcome to the furnace. The heavens are holding their breath to see, will we persist? And what kind of wonderful fruit will come from us persisting in this sanctifying work. Let me ask you, are you encountering these moments? Are you feeling the heat uh, of sanctification, of, of that furnace that, that this passage is saying that God is bringing us into graciously? Remember, he comes into it with us, but he's bringing us into it. Are you feeling those moments? If not, it may be that um, you, you haven't quite learned what God expects of us and you need to, to learn that and then put yourself in those positions. Um, if on the other hand, you are encountering these things, I just wanna encourage you, persist. M make it to the end. God is, God is pleased with your efforts. God sees them 
Don't tap out before it's over. Every moment of pain will be worth it. It it is seen. It is acknowledged. It is meaningful. The The authenticity of your tested faith, the genuineness of your tried and true, and sometimes trying and sometimes faltering obedience, rings with glory through eternity in a way that will outlast these trees and this parking lot. They will decay, but your love and affection for Christ will go on. And so the second thing we learn is that the process of sanctification is marked by testing. And finally, we learn about the purpose of sanctification. In verse 7, Peter tells us something about the purpose of sanctification. He says, uh, so that um, this testing has happened, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. What we learn here is that the purpose of our sanctification is no less than glory. The revelation of Jesus Christ that Peter refers to here is the day that Christ returns. Christ went into the heavens after he was raised from the dead and he said, I am coming again to judge the living and the dead and to set all things right like they should have been in the beginning. And he will judge all people. And he says, I am coming again. And Peter says, the tested genuineness of your faith on that day will be found and it will result in praise and glory and honor. It would only be natural that when we hear about praise and glory and honor, we instantly go, it must be to God from us. But this passage is saying something that's not said in very many places in the New Testament, but here perhaps more explicitly than anywhere else. That one day, standing before the Lord, if we have trusted Christ, he will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. He will praise the work that we have done, no matter how faulted and, and, and trying at times, our, our dedicated efforts to him will be acknowledged. One day, Parkview Church, you will have the affirmation that you most deeply need. Christian, no act of obedience will go unnoticed. No act of service to him will ever be belittled. No matter how small, he will never sneer at our halting attempts to obey him when they're done faithfully and with all our hearts. Far from it. He will look us in the face. He will look you in the face if you trust Christ and he will say to you, well done. And of course, we will say back to him, it was really you. (laughs) Uh, But he will say to us, well done. Today, even now, making up your mind to follow Christ, making up in in the... whether it's right now you stick a stake in the ground, you stick a flag in the ground, you say, this is what we need to do as a church, as a people, we need to say, this is what my life is for. Every act of conformity to Christ is, a, is an act most in tune with who you really are. We might need 10,000 steps. We might need to, you know, some of those things, but what we need most deeply is to live in line with who we've been created to be. And to see that, we look to Christ. So here's what I want to propose to us today. I want us to do that. I want us to make up our minds that today we're going to commit ourselves to this process of sanctification. That through this series, as we're learning, today is number two of of a nine-week series, that we devote our days to God. At its core, that's what holiness means. We might think of keeping the rules or, you know, doing the right things. But at its core, holiness means devotion to the Lord. 
That's why God is holy. He's devoted to himself. He's devoted to the other members of uh, the Trinity. And so here's what I have done, uh, and I want to share this and have share this idea with you. I find it's helpful to do this first thing in the morning. Uh, before I do anything else, I devote my day to the Lord. And uh, I also find it's helpful to do something sort of physical, something that's not just sort of praying in my mind, but actually with my head. So I know probably some of you kids and probably some of you young at heart, you remember this one? Head, shoulders, knees, and... Okay, I think this is going to be great. Okay, so it's, it's like that. We ready? Okay, what I'll do um, is I start here. I say, Lord, today my head, my, my mind is yours today. My mind is devoted to you. Get rid of the thoughts that come up that don't belong. I want to dedicate it to you. Uh, I move down to my heart. I say, Lord, today my affections, my appetites, my desires are yours. I devote them to you. Uh, my hands, what am I going to be doing today? My occupation, uh, the tasks that are set before me, whatever that happens to be, those, I want to dedicate those to you today. Ask him to bring to mind the, the challenges that will be there, to prepare you for the testing, to endure it. Uh, and then I think of my feet. I think, where am I going? Who am I seeing? Uh, I want to devote that to you. Uh, those meetings, those, those things that I have to do, those people, I want to pray for them. I want to devote them to you. Let's, as a church, uh, we, we can say once and for all, okay, today I'm, I'm making a decision, but what it really comes down to is the day-by-day devotion to Christ. And so I w- would you join me with that? I hope you will. Um, because in the end, what this passage is telling us is we're made for glory. We, we are made with the innate desire, like I said, to become something more, to become someone new. And it's not a phony desire. It's not a wrong desire. It's true, and it starts today, I hope. What our church will look like in 10 years will in large part be decided by the decisions that we make uh, in 10-minute increments. Will I devote this time? Will I devote this day to the Lord? So won't you be part of this vision of sanctification? Uh, Embrace the warmth of God's affection toward us in Jesus, knowing that when we become holy, we are only becoming what God has already made us in Jesus. Uh, If that is not you today, if you say, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know about what it means uh, to trust Christ. I hope um, you'll follow up with one of us afterward. Um, He is longing to to know you, to come into your life and start doing that rearranging work uh, that we've talked about. Um, And most significantly, I pray that we would undertake this task uh, because we see God's son. We see him clearly. Uh, we see that he has life. We see that he gives it freely. Uh, Only when we behold his strength and glory uh, will we become strong ourselves. So will you pray with me as we close here? Father, thank you so much for the gift of sanctification. We thank you that you provide it, you place it in our hands, um, and that you involve us. You say, take this, do something wonderful with it. I will be with you in, in my spirit. I will be empowering you to obey. I will not leave you. I will not, I'm not just dropping you off in this process, but I'm with you. I pray that uh, we would see, sense your love for us, and let it change us greatly as, a, as individuals, as a church, and make us all that we must be for you, Lord. Um, thank you for your love, and please use it to change us today. Amen.